You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1153 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening deep into the night. And today's podcast is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com or go to the App Store right now. Use the promo code NBA. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show will break down what became a lopsided loss for the Hawks in Los Angeles, 134-118 to at the hands of the Lakers. Obviously not the greatest night in the world for the Hawks, uh, other than getting guys back, which we'll talk about in a moment. But they got down by 12 early on, steadied from there, only trailed by 3 at the half, but uh, gave up 70 points after halftime. It's been a theme recently, but the defense was quite shaky in this game. And uh, honestly, one of the strikes of the Hawks all season long has been their ball security. But in this game, live ball turnovers were a huge problem that fueled the transition game for the Lakers, and the defense for the Hawks could not stop it. So... Um, kind of a perfect storm in some respects. Obviously, there is some positivity around the roster being more complete now than it has been in the last couple of weeks. But in the grand scheme, the Hawks uh, were frustrated after this game. Um, coaching staff, players, etc. Nobody's having a lot of fun right now for the Hawks, and we'll get into all of why in a moment. First, though, some context in the pregame setup for this game. Um, the injury report was still busy for Atlanta. They had four guys listed as questionable. Trey Young with the back injury that kept him out of the game on Wednesday, plus Collins, Bogdanovich, and Jalen Johnson, all of whom were listed as questionable with reconditioning as they come back from the COVID protocols. All four ended up playing, though. Well, I, I should say all four were, were active. Jalen Johnson did not play, but the other three were active and participated. And uh, first game for John Collins, it's Christmas Day. First games for Bogdanovich as the 27th of December. So good to have those guys back. Um, Collins admitted that he was a little bit, a little bit gassed, but said he felt good um, physically after this one. So um, good to have those guys back. And the roster, again, is pretty complete right now. In fact, the Hawks had 14 active players in this game, and all 14 active guys were actually on the roster to open the season. Uh, that, that does include the two two-way guys in Skylar Mays and Shreve Cooper, but still... The Hawks are at least playing their actual roster guys at this point in time. The actual roster overall was, I was actually down to 19 at one point. It was in the mid-20s, but with Sean D. Brown expiring on his 10-day contract, um, that was one one less guy on the roster. And then actually both Cam Oliver and Chris Clemens are in the protocols, but they actually had their contracts expire um, between now and Thursday. So the Hawks should be down to their core 17 guys before Sunday's game as long as uh, they don't add anybody else. In the middle of that. So, all that said, um, the Lakers were without Anthony Davis in this game as they have been for a while. He has been uh, out out for a few weeks already. But LeBron James played center. We'll get into that in a second. Um, they played small for a lot of this game. It gave the Hawks some issues with that lineup. The Hawks, though, were about three point underdogs when there was some uncertainty about Trey and Collins. By the time those guys were playing, it was almost a coin flip. The Hawks were one and a half point underdogs, according to Ben Alana AG, our sponsors on the show. And, you know, on the road, Never easy, and uh, I will say, like, this was not like a must-win or anything like that for the Hawks. If they, you know, they were supposed to lose, quote-unquote, by the point spread, um, anytime you go on the road against the Lakers with LeBron playing, it's a challenge. The Lakers are not great necessarily this season, but all things considered, um, coin flip game, I would say, and it just did not go their way, obviously, which we'll get into in a moment. So, getting into this game a little bit here at the top, um, I would say it was fascinating from a style perspective throughout this game. In fact, the 
Lakers played a true center for four minutes out of 48. And that was Dwight Howard. He played one stint. They were plus six in that time. But for 44 minutes, they played um, either LeBron or somebody else at center that was not a true center. Um, guys like uh, you know, Stanley, John- Stanley Johnson was playing the four. Car- obviously, Carmelo Anthony was playing the four. They were going very small throughout this game. The Hawks um, usually play fairly big, especially right now without DeAndre Hunter. They don't have a lot of small ball four options. So interesting style clash. Capella ended up leaving this game early with an ankle injury, but he and he and Okogwu played most of the way. But still, um, they actually kind of a weird matchup because you know they had to have Clint Capella guard Stanley Johnson, um, which is not normally what he's going to be doing on the perimeter, and uh, they had to get creative a few, a few different times. Also, there was a lot of talk about the uh, ch- about this choice, but Joe Prunty, the acting head coach, elected to start uh, TLC at the three and Bogdanovich fresh off the COVID list at the two in place of Herter and Reddish. Um, I said this before the game, and I said it during the game, and then after the game again. I would not have done this. I would not have start t- started TLC. Um I don't really understand it, but I will at least try to explain it to you. Um, the entirety of Nate McMillan's tenure, he has been consistent, and it doesn't mean that I have to like it or anybody else has to like it, but he's been consistent about wanting guys in certain roles. And, um, you know, he talked about it a lot with Cam coming off the bench as one as one example. We heard Prunty talk about bringing her off the bench for some balance on Wednesday, and I think that's probably what this is. Uh, again, I would not have done this. I would have started uh, one of those guys in place of TLC, or maybe even both of those guys, honestly, with Bogdanovich coming back from injury, but uh, always from illness. But it's just uh, you know one of those things. And I will say this. Um, I am always someone who values you know total minutes or closing minutes over starting minutes. I don't particularly care as much about who starts. Um, what I do care about is who plays more and, uh, you know, some of the com- combinations and stuff like that. So I was not, like, viscerally offended that they started TLC in this game. I know a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of Hawks fans, you know, I've been blaming TLC for a lot. I think he is uh, undervalued right now by Hawks fans. But at the same time, he's obviously their fourth wing right now, and he'll be their fifth wing with Hunter returns, etc. So I get all that. It's a little bit strange to be sure, but it's not out of line. You know, a lot of teams do this, you know, guys, you know, coming off the bench for, for years. Lou Williams is a good example of this. A guy who was like a top hundred player in the league. It was coming off the bench. Tyler Hero is a good example. Now of a guy who is obviously in their best five in Miami that did not start. This is not a new phenomenon, but it's just an interesting kind of uh, thing that the Hawks are doing right now. Anyway, um, they started out in a pretty bad way for the Hawks in this game. It was an 18 to six run by the Lakers that included 13 straight points out the outset. The Hawks had three pick six turnovers, early on, two from Trey, and that kind of set the tone for what was going to be coming later on. Um, rotationally, they used a Collingwood Herter as the first subs, then Gallinari and Reddish a couple minutes later, and uh, they played Trey with the bench for a while, and then when they took Trey off the floor, it was DeLon Wright as the backup point guard. Now, that is what should happen. I've said that a number of times, but with all of their, well, at least not all, but most of their wings back in this game, they chose, and I think, again, correctly, to not have Lou Williams in the rotation in this game. I'm not sure that's going to be a permanent change, but it's one that I agree with. I think DeLon Wright is the better player, and I think that if you pair DeLon with Kevin Herter, um, that is a good combination on the bench, and that's what they did in this game. So that's something to keep an eye on for the future, but no Lou Williams in the rotation in this game. Um, they found some advantages offensively on the interior in the first half when they got going a little bit. Uh, ball movement was better. They had some lobs to Capella and Kongwu and Collins. 
McClung was sealed off. Port and Tucker on a nice play for a finish. In fact, the first 16 points of the game for the Hawks came in the paint. That's a pretty high ratio. They had 20 points in the paint in the first 10 minutes, and they actually only averaged about 45. So they were definitely emphasizing, and correctly so, the paint in the first half. I thought Congo was really good in his first stint. Um, they cut the lead down to six for the Lakers at the end of the first quarter. Um, they, did, they did run a, a full bench unit, which I don't love. People listening to the podcast know this. I don't love full bench units for this team, but I will say it's a lot easier and better to do that when you have guys like Herder and Reddish and the Kongwu on your bench than if it's somebody else. So I don't love it, and they didn't do it in the second half, but uh, worth noting that it was not at least not something that drove me as crazy in this game. But defensively, it was pretty rough. Took care of the ball more after the first few minutes, but um, it definitely re uh, re-popped up later on. In the second quarter, they stayed with the bench unit. It didn't go terribly well with a couple of nice passes by, by DeLon Wright early on, including one on a nice skip pass to Gallinari for a three. Um, they cut it down to three at one point early in the second quarter, and then the Lakers, though, pushed it up to as many as 19-point lead in the first half, a 13-0 run, which is, again, their second 13-0 run of the first half. It was uh, pretty much uh, defensive-fueled, but offensively, they also kind of cratered in that little stretch as well. They lost Malik Monk in transition for a three that caused a timeout by Joe Brunty. Um, they allowed 13 fast break points in the first 16, 16 minutes, which is obviously just a ton. Um, but yeah, it was really rough. 17 assists for the Lakers in the quarter and a half. And they didn't really slow down from there either. Uh, Malik Monk really had it going. He had 21 points on his first nine shots. And that was a big story of the night that they talked about after the game as well. The Hawks did have one nice run um, mid-quarter to go from down 19 to down by 8. And overall, they kind of chipped away offensively down the stretch of the first half. Um, ended up being a 27-11 to closing kick for the Hawks to tie, not to tie the game, sorry, to go from down 19 to down 13 at the half. They scored 27 points in about 7 minutes. Um, a lot of that was, you know, Trey got going. Kevin Herter was hot at that point in time as well. Um, but defensively, it was a mess in the first half. It was better than the second half, actually, which is uh, wild. If you were told that at the time, I would not have believed you. But um, offensively, they were good in the first half, honestly. It's just okay, except for the late flourish. That, that it all counts. Um, they won the glass in the first half. They took care of the ball other than the first couple minutes in a pretty effective way. Only six turnovers in the first half. Uh, Trey at 16 points. Herter at four threes. And um, after all that, they're down three going into halftime and probably feeling pretty good about overcoming that deficit. Um, obviously, as we said earlier, it got out of hand in the second half, which we'll get into in a moment. But in general, they at least um, showed some fight to get back into the game and didn't just roll over. With that said, we'll get into all the second half stuff in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention, NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of. In football, it's yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the overall on LeBron, combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry, and that goes for Trey Young as well. 
will. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big businesses so that upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this podcast started out at a pretty low level. Now it's at a much higher level, and we're not going to stop there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. Like mine, Shopify powers over 1.7 businesses from first scale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and much more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of your conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day-to-day, and Shopify also instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has thousands of integrations with third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots to and beyond. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success, and do it all in one place. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba right now. That's shopify.com slash lockedonmba. All right, so we'll dive in the second half now, and the Hawks go into halftime, down three, and while you know, you're know you losing on the road, but online, our friends there had the Hawks as pick them in the second half, basically three-point underdogs uh, coming out of halftime for the entire game. And um, things escalated quickly in uh, they did not go in the Hawks' favor. So um, the first play of the second half, Clickapella got rolled up on a rim run to the uh, to the basket and seemingly hurt his ankle on that moment. He, he, rolled, he rolled it up pretty significantly, it looked like. Ended up staying in the game, but in the fourth quarter, he ended up having to leave and was ruled out. So, obviously, the entire second half, he was bothered, at least on some on some level, by that ankle. We'll keep an eye on that moving forward, but I don't know how long he'll be out, if at all, but something to keep an eye on because they did rule him out in the fourth quarter. From there, it was a 9-0 run by the Lakers to open the third quarter. Um, Malik Monk, again, hit two more threes, and Trey had to pick six, again, uh, with some turnover issues for the Hawks. Um to their credit, Atlanta had um, a response after timeout. They scored the next eight points. So it was 9-0 run for the Lakers, 8-0 run for the Hawks, and then 6-0 run by the Lakers. So all that, uh, they went back in um, in L.A.'s favor. But there was some uh, good attention paid by the offense to getting uh, back to the inside with Collins having a couple buckets. Um, Trey, I thought, was uh, acting as a facilitator pretty effectively early in the third quarter. Kongwu, though, got called for a flagrant one that was a bizarre call. Um, maybe right in terms of the interpretation of the rule, but I didn't love that one. It's the Zaza rule where you can't, you can't get under the guys, but I'm not even sure it was a foul, honestly. And it was upgraded to a flagrant on Kongwu against Carmelo Anthony. Didn't bite them too much, but still three points that were uh, free for the Lakers. Rotationally, it was similar to the first quarter, other than they played Collins for longer, and Trey played the entire third quarter as well. But some turnovers, once again, that was a big theme of, of the entire game for the offense. The Lakers had 20 points off turnovers in the first three quarters. That's obviously uh, quite a bit. A lot of live ball, like layup situations. Um, and the Lakers led by 17 because of that in the final minute. The Hawks hit a three late. Uh, sorry, not hit a three, a three-point play by Akongwu in the final minute. after, But still a, a pretty rough quarter by any description for the Hawks. And the Lakers had 101 points after three, including 37 
in the third. The Hawks had a 131 defensive rating through three quarters, and um, the leg got away from them a little bit in that period. You know, it wasn't over at that stage, but the last thing you want to do in a game where you're uh, still very solidly in it is get blown out in the third quarter, which happened. You go from down three to down 14, and you're going the wrong direction. In the fourth, uh, this has actually made it more difficult because, I, and I said, I said this in real time too, like Trey playing the entire third quarter is justifiable because he, you know, they try to you try to stay in the game. But when he does that, he's got to come out of the game. You know, the Hawks, I don't think, are ever going to play him uh, unless they just have no depth at all for an entire second half in a regular season. Maybe in the playoffs, they might have just let it ride here. But yeah, you know, to start the fourth quarter, you got to take him off the, off the floor and you're already down 14 points. So that's kind of a tough um, thing to, to overcome. They didn't go to the full bench, which was the right decision, I thought. They went to Bogdanovich and um, and Capella to br- sort of bridge the gap a little bit. But the first possession of the fourth quarter was a turnover by the Hawks and then a transition dunk by LeBron. And uh, Joe Prezzi called a timeout 39 seconds into the fourth quarter, so he was pretty frustrated. At that point, the Hawks had 11 turnovers in the first 38 minutes. And that's more than the Hawks would normally have, but not by any like not by a ton. Like That's not a crazy figure. 11 turnovers... In three plus quarters is like very normal, but the thing that's not normal is that the Hawks had ten of those eleven turnovers were live ball steals for for LA, which those are the ones that kill you. Uh, turning the ball over by throwing the ball out of bounds, you can set your defense up, etc. The live ball ones that are going the other way for layups are the ones that are really going to get you beat, and that's what happened to the Hawks in this game. Um, they were down nineteen with like nine and a half minutes to go. They did kind of battle back a little bit from there. Trey came back in and kind of pushed that. Um, they went actually used DeLon Wright with Trey for a few minutes instead of going back to Cam Reddish, who I thought struggled pretty badly in this game. We'll come back to him later on. But they went to, uh, to DeLon, and then they kind of go back uh, back through the wing rotation from there. And they actually played a little bit of Collins at center. And I think now it's probably because Capella was not going to be able to come back in, and they didn't want to just play Kong with the rest of the way. Kong got some foul trouble, etc. But that was notable as well. They went to a small ball look for the most part. Um, but Gallo hit a three with like, Six and a half minutes to go to get down to, to a 12 point game, and they were still in the game. And then, honestly, the biggest swing in terms of like their chance to get back into the game with about five minutes to go, the Hawks were down 10 and they got a transition opportunity. Bogdanovich took up, uh, sorry, sorry, pulled up for a three that was a good look for him. That's a shot that last year he was just making all the time and was unconscious and all that stuff. I had no problem with the look at all. People were kind of questioning it, like they could have got a layup. I'm fine with Bogdanovich on a pretty open three, but regardless, down 10, five minutes to go. He makes that shot, and they're down by seven, but he misses it, and uh, that was their best chance, basically, from there. Because after that, it was a 12-4 to run by the Lakers, and the game was basically over with, like, three minutes to go. So, um, do they win the game if Boogie's shot goes in? Um, probably not, but obviously they would have had a much better chance than since it didn't go in, and um, that was kind of the end of that. Um, as far as some takeaways are concerned, we'll get into more of the stuff when we talk about the players as well, but um, basically defensively it just wasn't good enough. And I will put some of that on the offense. You know, often, I, and I think even in this game as well, it was still a defense first loss that is worth pointing out. But I think um, they were put in some bad positions defensively by their offense and the turnovers. Still a 128 defensive rating if you remove if you removed the garbage time, which is really, really bad. Um Lakers had 37 assists. That's a skyrocketing number. Um, 41% from three is really high for the Lakers, but not, like, insane. You know, if you project what they're going to shoot from three, it wouldn't be 41%. But they didn't shoot 60% from three. Like, they shot well from three. Um, Monk, in particular, was red hot. But they didn't shoot, like, this crazy outlier percentage either. Um, But they didn't first turnovers in this game. The Hawks didn't. 
the Lakers, and this is this is this is the headliner. The Lakers scored 2.05 points per possession in transition. So more than two points per possession. That's impossible. It was 99th percentile by cleaning the glass in this game. And they also scored 2.25 points per possession off of steals. So basically, anytime the Hawks turn it over or give up a transition opportunity at all, the Lakers were just dominating them. And that really swung the game. And uh, honestly, in addition to the turnovers, the transition defense was very bad as it's been for a while. Um, 70 points in the second half for the Lakers, that's obviously just way too many. And the Hawks have now allowed 130 points or more in seven of the last 15 games. You'll remember that Travis Schlenk was using that number 130 in his rant the other day, a 92 on the game, and uh, they hit it again in this game. So it's been really rough defensively. Um, on the small bright side, uh, we'll get into the offense uh, after the break, but uh, it was a little bit better. But even then, along with the offensive rating being pretty good, which we'll talk about in a second, um, the lot of turnovers kind of cloud all of this and take a little bit of the heat off the defense and put it a little bit more on the offense than it has been in recent days. Before we get into that, though, and we have plenty more to talk about with all the players and we're from our sponsors on the show today, the first of which being Built Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike protein bars and some other corners of the market that can be chalky or waxy. Built Bar tastes fantastic. Sometimes it's just boring to eat healthy, and by week three of eating healthy, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? But with Built Bar... Every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes on your home or your pantry or in the office or in your car, wherever you might be hiding something sweet. Throw out all that sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible with Built Bar. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. As always, there are amazing flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And beyond that, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors. Check out Built.com often to see what's coming up. And right now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, before we turn it over to the player evaluations and look at the offense quickly, they had a 112 offensive rating in non-garbage time in this game. And the Hawks basically score about 113 points per 100 possessions for the season. So essentially it was a league average performance from the Hawks on a per-possession basis offensively. And given that the Hawks are number two in the league in offense, that's pretty good. Now, uh, context though would tell you that it was not great offensively because of the turnovers. So they shot the ball pretty well overall. Um, the Hawks ended up with a true shooting mark of 55%. That's like basically league average. That's nothing great, but it's nothing terrible. They did a good job in the offensive glass. They won the glass in this game on both sides of the floor. That's good as well. They had 29 assists. That's above their average by considerable uh, amount. So all of that is like league average or their average or better, and it was all respectable and solid. And the 15 turnovers the Hawks had – is more than they average because the Hawks actually are in the top five in the league in avoiding turnovers. But that's like a totally normal, not disastrous number. The problem is, again, the live ball stuff. So at the end of this game, the Lakers scored just an unimaginable number of points off of turnovers. And like I got into a second ago with the defense, the numbers on that in terms of per possession are so ghastly 
28 points off turnovers would lead the league by a considerable margin, and that's what the Lakers had, all 15 turnovers in this game. That led to fast break points, it led to efficiency, it hurts your defense, and again, the Hawks are already struggling defensively, so making it harder on them is not ideal. So I think overall, I would describe this offensive performance as below average for the Hawks, even though the biggest, most important number when evaluating offense is how many points do you score per possession? And in this game, that number was good for the Hawks, like above average for the season. But uh, context being that what it was, I think it was below average performance overall because of the way that it hurt the defense and the live ball turnovers were just particularly uh, damaging in this game. All right, to the players. Uh, the bench was interesting. They played five guys on the bench other than uh, in garbage time. They brought in Sharif Cooper and Skylar Mays. Uh, they did not bring in Jalen Johnson or Lou Williams. You know, Jalen coming off of the uh, protocol list, and Lou's not going to just come in for garbage time. That's been uh, kind of proven over and over again. But again, he didn't play in this game, which was notable to me. And we don't have much to add on Mays and Cooper. Um, I guess people, some people, somebody did ask me why Mays didn't play over TLC. Um, I think that there is some logic in wanting to see Mays play, and I've, I've kind of been out in front of that, particularly when it, when it comes to playing him over Lou. Um, I do think, though, with what the Hawks have available right now, it doesn't really make you, you can't just give TLC's minutes to Skyler with um, it's not like one to one because Skyler's like a combo guard, you know, six four. So TLC's got legitimate small forward size, and he's not great by any means. But they kind of want that size and physicality. Like he was guarding LeBron at one point in this game, and um, you know that's something that Mays can't do. So because like Herder and McDonough are basically shooting guards. Um, and, you know, wings are wings, but those guys are not on the big side among wings. Mays obviously make them smaller. They kind of have right to do that stuff as well. So no issue not playing Mays in this game, but I obviously um, it would have been better if they had Hunter, and we'll come back to that at some point. Um, the players themselves, uh, DeLon Wright was solid enough. He wasn't fantastic, but he had five assists in 15 minutes, one of four from the floor, 0 of two from three. They were minus four when he, when he played, um, minus eight when Trey played. So, like, actually they were, like, competitive in the non-trade minutes, there was the one stretch in the uh, third, uh, sorry, in the second quarter that was not great. But um, I thought DeLon was fine. Um, and I think that there's no evidence in this game that would, would take away from my assumption and my belief that he's their best backup point guard option. You want to give him some support for sure. I think pairing him with guys who can help him offensively for, for creation's sake is important. Is he perfect through that lens? No. But I think that um, with the available roster, this is the 10 guys I would have played. Um, so there you go. Um, elsewhere from there, uh, Cam Reddish, we'll, we'll go to him now. I thought he was the worst player for the Hawks in this game, uh, TLC included. I know there was a lot of focus on TLC's 0 for 5 and scoreless night, but Cam was also scoreless. Um, and I thought Cam's defense was very bad in this game as well. Um, I was the, I mean, I was definitely talking about how well Cam, Cam had been playing at different times. You know, he had a couple of really good games, uh, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago now. Um, he's had some really nice flashes, and I think his shooting's been a revelation this year. I think his efficiency is at a career-high level offensively. All of that's true. Um, I've also said recently, and I, I did mean this, that his defense has slipped this year, and that was definitely the case in this game. I thought it was notably bad. Um, and then I'm not sure if he was frustrated from not starting or just not not having anything go his way early on, but um, you know they kind of benched him pretty clearly, and he never came back in uh, for like the last you know long period of time. And, you know, I think he earned that. I think he was really bad in this game. Um, does that mean he's bad now moving forward? No. But if you ask me if I have a problem with him playing 13 minutes in this game, like, it seems low. Obviously, I think on paper, you know, playing him less, 10 minutes less than TLC, I understand why people don't like that. Um, and coming into the game, if, if, I, if somebody had told me or asked me, you know, assign minutes right now before the game starts, I would have had Cam playing more than TLC. Don't get me wrong. 
But in this game, like I have a hard time calling for more Cam. Like he he was very bad in my in, in my view. And if you watch the watch the tape back, it was offense and defense. So we'll leave it there. It doesn't mean that it's anything damning about Cam, but he's gonna he's gotta be better than that. He has been better than that, and we'll see what he can come up with on Sunday afternoon. Akongu I thought was good in the first half. Not as good in the second half, but had some foul trouble. Uh, 12.7 rebounds. I thought he was at least you know very active and effective on offense and defense. Um, does have a bit of a foul problem right now. You know the last you know first career so far. I believe he's averaging six fouls per 36 minutes. That's a lot. Um, had four fouls in his first 12 minutes tonight. So it's not like a long term huge concern for me, but it does kind of uh, make things difficult to play him a ton. And I thought he was fine though. Like the plus minus stuff was. Not great for him. He's minus two, but that was kind of his kind of case for everybody. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a chance that with Capella's uh, ankle sprain that maybe a has got to start and play 35 minutes or 32 minutes on Sunday. We'll see if that happens. But um, I think he looked good for the most part in this game. Uh, and lastly, uh, Gallinari, 18 minutes, 13 points, five rebounds. Um, it's definitely interesting and new to have Gallo play 18 minutes. Like. I had no issue with that at all. He made a he made a couple of big shots. He was actually efficient offensively and productive. Defensively, it was the usual. Uh, transition wise, it's really really glaring how bad he is right now defensively. But yeah, this is one of those things when when you have John Collins and you have relative health on your roster, Gallo turns back into a twenty minute again guy, and that's kind of where he should be in some respects. So no issue with that at all. I don't think he was particularly bad in this game. I think he was pretty efficient offensively, but defensively, it does. He was a part, uh, I would say, a sizable part of the uh, transition defense, transition defensive issues. Lastly, Kevin Herter on the bench was their best bench player in this game, and um, this isn't even controversial, I think, but I guess the pushback for it, I'll say it again here. I, Kevin Herter has been their best wing this season overall. Like that's not even again, that's not controversial. I think Kevin Herter has very clearly been the Atlanta Hawks' best wing this season. Um, when you factor in availability, when you factor in performance, he has the most minutes, he has the best shooting percentages, he's the best passer of the four wings. Um, I think he's a better defender than Bogdanovich, and honestly, you could argue he's been better than Reddish defensively this year. I think Cam has better tools defensively by, obviously, uh, that's that's the case, but I think if you just look like play in, play out, Herter's been as good as Cam defensively. So, uh, yeah, Herter was good in this game. He hit four threes, uh, 16 points on 10 shots. Two assists, two rebounds, only one turnover. Like, he was one of their better players in this game. So, no issues there. To the starters. Um, we got into this a little bit a second ago, but TLC was not great by any means. Uh, did not score. Had three assists, three rebounds. 0-5 from three. Did not take a two-point shot. Um, and I want to I want people to understand when I say this. Uh, I am not arguing for TLC to start, because I think I would not have started him, and I said as much. Uh, I'm not arguing for him to, him to play a ton either. I also think that he's like become this like weird pariah for Hawks fans, kind of in the same, kind of in a similar way, similar way to Delon Wright at times this year, um, where like guys who don't score um, get like really picked on. And again, like I don't think TLC is great by any means. Like he's their fourth wing right now. He'll be their fifth wing when Hunter returns, and when Hunter is back, he shouldn't play. I'll say that. But like, you know, there was like a weird blowback I think to TLC in this game and kind of all season long. So. Yeah, it is what it is, but he uh, was not particularly good, uh, but was not particularly bad either, I don't think. Like, defensively, he was one of the better guys, I think, on the wing in this game. So, that that ends the uh, TLC defense corner, but I think that uh, there was a lot of overblown uh, angst about his performance. For the record, though, I think that they got to play Herter. You know, not playing Herter 30-plus minutes in this game is a mistake. I think the way, with the way he's playing, 
playing him a lot is what I would be trying to do right now. But Donovan Mitchell work his way back, but he would he has the worst he had the worst on off stuff in this game. So um, my one qualm on the wing rotation in this game was that Herder didn't play more. Honestly, so uh, they'll figure that out in the future. Maybe look at that for Sunday, and we'll leave it there. Um, I mentioned Bogdanovich a second ago. 15 points for Bogey. He had a couple of nice pull-up threes. Actually, 4 of 9 on threes in this game. But he was a game-worst minus 25. Um, I think defensively, that's a lot of that. You know, part of that is not his fault by any means. There's some noise in there. And um, clearly, like, he was not 23 points worse than TLC in this game. So I'm not acting like that's gospel. But I do think that Bogdanovich's defense has been uh, not good this season. And I think that was the case in this game, but good, good to see him getting up nine threes at least. So that, that's a positive, and he looked at least relatively spry in his first game back. Uh, Capella, like I said before, left the game early. Nine points, 11 rebounds. I think he had some nice defensive moments. Um, the free throw line's been a problem for Clint for his entire career. That's uh, certainly been the case, but I had the stat earlier. He's been shooting for the last five seasons about 57% from the line. That is bad, but it's not quite bad enough to like get hacked and like really, really, really kill you. This year, it's 46% after tonight, and that is bad enough to get you killed. So, you know, I'm not sure if that's like a, an actual talent difference on his shooting at the free throw line. It's all, it's less than 100 attempts, so I'm not going to, like, lose my mind about it. But it's a problem, especially when you factor in the, the finishing. I do think it's worth noting that Capella has actually had a good finishing road trip. He's still shooting even after a 4-9 tonight, like 60% from the floor on this trip. But um, there was a couple minutes, a couple misses at the rim that are frustrating as always for Clint in this game. But defensively, I thought he was, I thought he was okay. Um, didn't change the game a ton, but was at least better than um, most guys on the roster. Uh, last two guys we'll get to are Trey Young and John Collins. Uh, Trey had 25 points, 14 assists, nine rebounds, but had nine turnovers. Um, I think, and I, this is actually a credit to him in a weird way. I think this is one of Trey's worst games of the season. Um, and he had 25, 14, and 9. <laughs> so uh, that tells you how good Trey is, that he's able to have a night like that like, sort of production-wise while still being what I would describe as bad for him. Again, bad for him is important. But the 9 turnovers, I think at least 6 of them, maybe 7 or 8 even, were live ball. Like he had a lot of just like weird turnovers. Um, and I don't really worry about his ball security too much because he has the ball so often, but 9 is an outlier and high. And then defensively, Lots of issues. Uh, Avery Bradley got off on him a little bit in the first quarter. He lost a lot of you know, sort of contained stuff. So, you know, it is it is possible for Trey Young to have a game where he has 25 and 14 and still be still not be very good for him, and that happened in this game. Um, also, though, while we're here, Trey set a new franchise record for the Hawks with his 25 points or more streak going up to 17 consecutive games, passing Dominique Wilkins. So, Kudos to Trey on that. He'll that's another record that I'm, you know he's gonna have a lot of records by the time he's done in Atlanta. That's another one that he now owns for 25 point games in a row. But uh, yeah, he could have been better for sure. He'll have to be better in the future. But you know, he was seven of 14 on twos. That's totally fine. But only one of seven on threes and the ball security issues, etc. Uh, lastly, John Collins, 21 points, eight rebounds for John. Um, no turnovers, but did not didn't have a steal or a block either. I think defensively he wasn't good by his standards in this game. Um, that's, that's understandable. He's played play basketball in two weeks basically, and uh, couldn't do really much much of anything for a lot of that time. So I'm not surprised. Um, he was frustrated after the game, as was Trey. They both spoke to the media following this loss and expressed some uh, frustration, as you might imagine. That's uh, understandable and also what you want to see from your best players. But I thought John individually was solid. Um, it wasn't his absolute best, but he still had 21-8 and eight and was efficient. And, yeah, it was a very John Collins game. Good to see him back after that length of time. 
Okay, we've gone long on this podcast. I've got a couple of rants, and it's late. It's 2 a.m. Um, as we're talking now on Saturday morning, but here we are. A uh, couple things before we get out of here on this evening that we're not going to dive too, too, too deep into, but I always want to mention before we get into the weekend. Um, Trey Young was third on the first All-Star ballot returns in the Eastern Conference. Um, that they came, they came out, I believe, on Thursday. He was behind DeMar DeRozan and James Harden. I will probably have a full-blown rant at some point about DeRozan being eligible at guard because he shouldn't be eligible at guard, but that won't be happening today. Before you panic about him not starting, um, fan voting is only, only half of the formula. So Trey can finish third and still start. That is definitely possible, so we'll keep an eye on that as it gets closer. Um, TLC's contract became guaranteed today. That was always the assumption. Uh, I have mentioned it a few times, but he was the only guy on the roster that was on a non-guaranteed contract, and today was the league-wide cut-down date. So because he's still on the roster now, he is now going to be making about $1.9 million this year. He's been already made about half of that, so uh, you know it's not like a new $1.9 million. And again, this was always going to happen. It, it should happen. TLC is better than a normal league minimum player would be, so that's a t- totally fine thing for the Hawks to be doing. And uh, as of now, the Hawks have a fully guaranteed full roster. Um, the one guy they can move on from with no pain, basically, is Solomon Hill because he's on, he's out for the season. But they like him around. He, he was actually in L.A. with him right now, um, helping the team and you know being a leader, all that stuff. So um, that, that was kind of the only in-season point of contract intrigue was TLC and everything else now turns to the trade market. Uh, and quickly on this, Mark Stein, uh, famed former ESPN, New York Times, etc., referred to the Hawks as a potential suitor for Ben Simmons on Friday. Uh, we'll spend some time on this later on when I'm not. It's, when it's not 2 a.m. Um, and he, he also reported that Philadelphia's primary focus right now is to try to get Simmons to play for them. Worth noting as well, no full-blown rumor yet uh, on this, but people were talking about this all day long. As they, you know, it's, it's one of those fun things. And uh, you know what the Hawks would give up and what, the Hawks, what, what would they want him, etc., Simmons is a talented player for sure, and the Hawks. There's certainly a price in which the Hawks should be interested in him, but we'll get into that later on. And that's just when we say that out loud. Like I'm not ignoring that. I'm going to get into it at some point, but not at 2 a.m. after a game. Okay, from here, uh, the Hawks will stay in Los Angeles. They actually play at 3:30 Eastern time, so it's a 12:30 local tip on Sunday against the Clippers. And the Clippers are short-handed right now. They've been not playing very well. LA was on national TV on Thursday night and got waxed by the Suns. Um, that was their last outing, and I'm looking now. Yeah, it's not a back-to-back. So they they, they have two days off. Um, that was their last game was against again in, in Phoenix on on Thursday. But no Paul George and no Kawhi Leonard means the Clippers are extremely ordinary. That's a very winnable game. Are the Hawks going to win it? I don't know. Will the Hawks be favored? I think they probably will be favored in that game as long as Trey is available. Um, you know, Capella's status could change the line on a little bit there, but we'll get, we'll get into that on Sunday. But just a PSA. It's an afternoon tip-off. Clippers are not the Clippers of old. They're definitely uh, still, you know, not terrible by any means without those guys, but not the same team without Kawhi and Paul George. So worth looking at that before we get into it. So we'll have a podcast after that game on Sunday that will start the week, and then we'll have a few shows. I think I'm going to take next weekend off. I'm actually traveling. Um, maybe I'll have one wrap-up show. There's a back-to-back on uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, I believe it's Friday and Saturday that we'll cover at some point. But just PSAs and all that stuff. Please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. Please forgive any ramblings that I might have been doing on this podcast at 2 a.m. But um, subscribe, tell your friends, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. And we'll see you after the game on Sunday.